Welcome back to Rogue Opinions, ladies and gentlemen. I am James Baxter, Mr. Riot if you're nasty, and today I am joined by the exuberant, the wonderful, your buddy and mine, seven pints to the wind, Mr. Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm really, I'm, I'm feeling extreme. Oh, well, it's it's funny that you mentioned that, because uh, we sat around last night and parts of this uh, early morning, catching up on WWE Extreme Rules 2019. Um, but before we get into that, Nathan, how was your day? It was real good. Um, I actually do. I You obviously have it in the States. You obviously have Subway, the sandwich shop. Um, I actually went to a Subway earlier today. Uh, <laughs> this, Wait, is, this is a... This is a genuine story. I did you, hold on, before you get into that, did you do you guys call them undergrounds over there? Because I know that you guys are different over there. So instead of calling them the subway, do you call them like? Uh, yeah, two? we have like the London Underground or where I am in Newcastle. It's the Metro, but I'm I'm talking about the sandwich shop subway. No, that's what I mean. Like, do you call the sandwich shop the Metro? No, no, it's just called Subway. But like, uh, but in London, it's like the London Underground. Here, where I am, it's the Metro. And uh, it just kind of differs from place to place. But no, Subway is still Subway. Oh, I, think okay. all, I think they're all franchises. I'm not going to confirm that to be true, but I'm pretty sure they're all like franchise shops over here rather than being directly owned by Subway. But that's not relevant it, to my story. It, they're, all, they're all franchises, yeah. They, the company is oh, a public company, okay. so they just sell off uh, locations. Oh, okay. And uh, so I went into Subway, and I always get, I don't know if you have in the States, do you have meatball marinara? Of course, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Good, good, good. So, York, everything has a meatball option. Yeah. So uh, so Italian herb and cheese bread, foot long, double cheese, toasted meatball marinara, no messing about. So yeah. simple, simple as simple can be. The woman, I walk in, it's a young girl, she says, what do you want? I say my order. It's the same order every time. Foot long, Italian herb and cheese, meatball marinara, double cheese. I want I want that double cheese. I'm going to pay for it. It's 70p. I'm fucking paying for it. And uh, she... <laughs> it's really happened. She pulls out the Italian herb and cheese footlong. She drops the bread on the floor. She picks it up and then just carries on like nothing happened. That's, uh, yeah, that's actually, uh, like, from a corporate standpoint. Like, they just tell you to pick it back up. Yeah, so it. I said to her, you just <laughs> dropped that on the floor. And uh, I'm not too happy about that. I'm about to pay full price for this. I ain't getting a meal deal. I don't want no cookie. And um, she carry, she just kind of looks at me and says, well, do you want me to get another one? Because it's going to cost you. And I said, what? <laughs> this woman, the, no joke, this this young lady, this, this <laughs> I was about to say in a really horrible way, but this this, this woman, Jimmy, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I don't know if even if you called her a cunt, that would have fucking no. like, the way that you were like this no. fucking woman. This All right. woman with her long hair and a real nice eyes. She was about to charge me for extra bread because she dropped it on the floor. Now I wasn't having none of this. I said you dropped it on the floor. What? I I don't want it. <laughs> like you yeah. just dropped it on your dirty floor. And she said to me, "Oh," she said. Now it's procedure for us to charge if we drop it on the floor. And I said, 
I don't care <laughs> what your procedure is. I'm not paying for bread that you dropped on the fucking floor. Yeah. In the end, the issue got resolved. She got new bread and didn't charge me. She wasn't happy about serving me, but I don't really care. I ain't going to see her again, probably, until I go to Subway again, which will probably be, like, Wednesday. But, yeah, that was it. She tried to charge me for double... You ever been charged for double bread? I wasn't even aware that that was a charge that you could get charged. Like, because to me, it's like, why am I putting extra bread on this sandwich? The sandwich is fine as is. I enjoy... Unless you're getting, like, a Scooby and Shaggy style sandwich where it's those big pieces of bread and there's like bread cheese meat lettuce tomato bread cheese meat lettuce tomato like those big like quadruple stacker sandwiches from the shaggy and scooby-doo cartoons that's the only that's how that's what popped into my head when extra bread what the fuck what she dropped on the floor and then just tried to carry on and i said you dropped on the floor and she said it was going to be she was going to be charging me for it if I said I didn't want it. I but she dropped on the floor. I hate to steal a line from Breaking Bad, but like that's called breakage. You account for that. Or if you're so fucking okay with it, the roll that you dropped on the floor, you make a fucking sandwich with it yourself yeah. and eat it in the back. Like, But don't give it to the customer. Yeah. So I wasn't too happy about that, but it got resolved. I didn't get charged for it, and I got my meatball marinara double cheese. So... All wasn't lost, but I did have an awkward exchange. It yeah. was a bit, you could almost call it extreme. Wow. I hope you didn't pull a muscle region for that one. I, I did. Well, <laughs> get, some, get some ice on it. Get some ice on it quickly and you should be all right. Um, let's see. Do I have any stories from today? Not really. No, no. Nobody shit on the floor today, so. Um, okay. You ever been to the Wells Fargo Center? Uh, I've been around the Wells Fargo Center, um, but we're not going to get into that story today. Uh, by the way, does anybody have any scope? No. Um, <laughs> uh, so WWE Extreme Rules live from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the home of Extreme, as it's called, uh, but not on this pay-per-view because Extreme was in quotes, obviously, for most of the show. And we will get into it. Um, we're going to start on the pre-show. Did you catch the pre-show, Mr. I, I, I did. I will confess, because I am the resident editor here at Rogue Opinions, I was editing uh, a podcast at the same time, the AEW Fight for the Fallen, which, Jimmy, Jimmy, are you ready? I, I, I am quite ready. I've been talking about it all day. Before, before we get into this, Jimmy, I... I will 100% confess I did not watch any. I have literally not watched a second, not a gif or nothing of Fight for the Fallen. But it is 12.17 a.m. here. I'm going to give you two minutes because I know oh. you have a lot of opinions. <laughs> you, you have two minutes to express those opinions on AEW Fight for the Fallen, and then I will cut you off. Are you ready? I am ready. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so AW Fight for the Fallen live from Jacksonville, Florida. First, 
Uh, first of all, um, they had it outside in the middle of July in fucking Florida. Um, that was a bad sign to begin with because you spent the entire night watching people fan themselves, which if you pay attention to science, that only means that you're only making yourself hotter. And But people from Florida are fucking stupid. Moving on. Chris Jericho was fucking dreadful the entire night. He probably fucking injured or concussed uh, Hangman Page, who had a really boring match. The only real two, like things that I could even look to that were of any goddamn use during the portion of the show that I watched the entire thing, the entire fucking four hours that that fucking show was. I watched every goddamn second of it with really, really high hopes, and they just fucking let me down. At the end of the night, Cody Rhodes, Cody, don't call him Rhodes, decides to go, hey, how many of you are going to follow us over to TNT? Well, if the rest of your fucking TV is like Fight for the Fallen, ain't going to be my ass. I'm going to stick to WWE because at least when they let me down, they fucking give me like maybe a week or two here and there where they, you know, jerked me off, you know, and made me feel like fucking okay about it but the fact of the matter is is that this show was really disappointing the uh commentary was atrocious uh most of the night get golden boy back on there they just seem to have a better thing going alex morvez is just dog shit have him go backstage and be terry taylor or whatever because that's the only thing that's going to get him through um the only two matches that were of any consequence 30 seconds left uh the only two things that were of any like interest to me were uh, Kenny Omega versus Chima, great match, and then the triple threat tag team match. Uh, I think everybody delivered, and seeing Sonny Kiss, um, seeing Sonny Kiss uh, out there, he's a good friend of mine. Well, an okay friend of mine, and uh, seeing him out there on pay per view was really excellent. And uh, Fire for the Fallen was lame. That's about it. Wow, that's the content everyone tunes in for. Um... Yeah, to hear the American stumble his way through fucking. Two minutes of like trying to get out, like, uh, uh, yeah, never mind. I, I just that goddamn it, that fucking show just sucked. Goddamn it, it sucked. It reminded me yeah. of like a Street Break Nitro or that episode of South Park where they were in the uh, <laughs> South Park. Yeah, the wrestling episode of South Park where they're in the uh, the uh, the amphitheater. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, uh, Tony Khan actually uh, tweeted out an image with the comparison shot from Fight for the Fallen and the South Park episode. It's fucking spot on. It's fantastic. It, that's the like one of the three highlights of the night was that tweet from to- uh, Tony Khan, uh, Omega and Chima, and the Triple Threat Tag Team match. Everything else is missable and kind of dog shit. Okay, I'm not going to watch it anyway. But you know what I did watch? I did watch the Extreme Rules kickoff show, or whatever they call it. First thing I have written down that I'm going to give you 30 seconds for is Baron Corbin's shirt that he was wearing. Oh, it was a real nice shirt, Jimmy. It was real nice. It was real Hawaiian. <laughs> I mean, man, man looked good. Man looked like um, if they remade Scarface, but in 2019, uh, he he would have been one of the henchmen that nearly made it to the end, but probably would have got killed to um, probably would have got killed by Al Pacino to make a point. That's what I feel like. I feel like he would have been one of the henchmen that was just having a general conversation with Al Pacino and being like, oh, no, we got all this cocaine. Blah, 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 blah. And then got shot in the head. And Al Pacino would have been like, hey, if Baron Corbin can mess up, all of you can mess up. Cesaro, 
who would have been one of the other henchmen, but he would have made it to the final act. But no, man looked real good. I wasn't too pleased when he suggested breaking Lacey Evans' teapot. I just kind of thought he was a fucking coward. And uh, But Lacey was looking real good. And Baron Corbin maybe could have worked on his tan a little bit more. Because if you're going to wear one of those shirts and you've got to wear chains, you need a bit more of a tan. But no, nah, man was looking real good. He did sort of look like the guy that they would like go to about like at the very opening of like a secret agent movie. And he was like the Coke dealer on his yacht. You know, like, I mean, minus the minus the level of tan, like he's already out there like smoking a cigar with the sunglasses on and a fucking drink in his other hand. And he's the guy who gets like taken out in the first couple of minutes. You know, like in the cold open, where it's like he gets a shot to the head and you just hear. And like the movie just starts from then on. Uh, But no, he looked real good. Lacey Evans, predictably, was amazing. And she had a real nice teapot. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to break a nice teapot. Like, you know. No, not when you're classy. But. I mean, the first match on the... I'm, we're not going to talk about the panel. Can we just not? None no. Of them. Like, no. Can we just say... Happy birthday, happy birthday, Charlie Caruso. You're fine. You're fine like wine. And smoking hot. Fine is one word. But um, I'm not going to name him. I don't want to talk about him. What, that Sam Roberts? No, who I'm thinking about. No, we're not naming him. Uh... So the Chia Pet off in the right-hand corner of the panel is... He looks a... like a fucking uncle that people that... You know, I don't know if... Every, I don't have it, but a lot of families have that uncle that kids are told to not speak to for too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's going to start talking about his old wrestling toys and about, like, Japanese death matches. So just, like, you know, say hi to him, be nice, but Uncle Sam is kind yeah. of an asshole. Yeah. So, like, get he, away from him. Yeah, he spends a lot of time in the basement, and you <laughs> know what? With the video camera, he's always on the internet. Yeah, he tells you about the glory days of tape trading, and his his brother's kids are told not to talk to him. That's what he looks like. Yes. Well- fucking criminal. <laughs> that's what he looks like but you know what wasn't criminal the opening match of the pre-show the intercontinental title match shinsuke nakamura up against the champion finn balor um this match goes about seven minutes and 40 seconds and um, shinsuke nakamura in his onesie and his eternal wisdom found a way to onesie <laughs> I had a, um, I think I messaged the group. I, I had a friend over, but he didn't, he didn't stay for the whole show because uh, it was really late and we both had work on Monday. But he said that Shinsuke Nakamura looked like a motorcycle enthusiast who just stopped off at a strip bar. And uh, it really, when I realised, yeah, he's wearing leather and he's really pulled down the zip. <laughs> like. He had a really deep V going. He had a very deep V. Oh, and I think Shinsuke is great, but man doesn't have the body to do that. Oh, yeah. And uh, if anyone's keeping up with uh, our predictions from that oh, night. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
Uh, that would be uh, Jim one, Nathan zero, because Nathan wanted to make things more interesting. And he denied my man Nakamura. Yeah. Denied yeah. my boy. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring it up on the podcast because it doesn't need to be, but there is a reason why I picked Finn Balor. And it's literally I'm a victim of circumstance. <laughs> You're a victim of circumcision? Is that is that what it because uh he you can tell what religion he is through through those uh through those shorts. Oh and like he's just fine all over. He's just I actually I was watching this uh, the match uh, in the living room with a couple of my roommates and one of my roommates who doesn't watch a lot of wrestling just as a joke but like spent most of the match like fanning himself every time Finn was on screen and now every time I watch a Finn Balor match I'm just going to be like fanning myself and having convulsions just like oh look oh my good oh my goodness um, he is. We'll bring back a we'll bring back a kayfabe court word. He is throbbing. He is throbbing. He is um, throbbing. He is throbbing. Um, but yeah, but like, yeah. Let's, let's actually let's talk about something seriously. <laughs> Shinsuke <laughs> is IC champ because for me, let's preface this by saying I obviously did. I literally have not seen any TV. And obviously, I was on the stomping grounds with you. I do not keep up with it. Some of the guys from Rogue Opinions, like Carl and a couple, and Scott, and obviously yourself, Jimmy, are very nice. You you guys kind of post about the serious stuff that's happening. But where did Shinsuke come from? Because I, the last time I saw him in a match, was what did he do at WrestleMania? Uh, he was in that Fatal Four Way Tag Match at, at Mania. Oh, uh, with Rusev. Yeah, I saw with him. Rusev, in that, yeah. and I have literally not seen him since. So, okay, so pretty much since then, he was doing nothing with Rusev. And then, like, a couple of weeks ago, maybe even the week before the go-home on SmackDown, uh, Finn was backstage with, um, I don't know, one of the one of the women that do the backstage interviews. Um, and he was talking about, you know, being IC champion, and he was smiling a whole bunch. And then the camera pans over and there's Shinsuke being super weird. And he like starts like touching the title and he's just like, you know, like you're, I'm not going to do the accent. That's, it's really racist if I did that. Um, he goes, you have a title that I want and I'm done joking around. I'm going to come for that title. And so then they had a match on the go home uh, SmackDown on Tuesday that was uh, like a non-title match and Shinsuke beat Finn clean, just like he did here. Um, he just like out wrestled him. And uh, yeah, then I guess on like the afternoon of the pay-per-view, they announced on the kickoff, it'll be Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor or the way I like to see it put the winner of the 2018 men's Royal rumble and the first ever universal champion go one-on-one -on -one for the intercontinental title match on the fucking pre-show of a B show. And uh, yeah. they had a good match, though. They had a good match. Oh, yeah, it was really good. And uh, Shinsuke won with the Kinshasa. They didn't get a lot of time. They got about seven. They got, uh, I've got it here. They got seven and a half minutes, which is a fucking shame. Because usually, like, I'm usually one of those kind of people where it's like, oh, they're on a kickoff show. And I think, well, if they're on the kickoff show, they're at least going to get time. 
because usually kickoff show matches you're looking at at least 15 minutes some of them but no they had to fill in time with video packages that we're going to watch again during the actual show and jonathan coachman talking to the wonderful charlie caruso in a no i'm not even going to talk about him but yeah i mean it was good didn't get enough time shinsuke won big whoop yeah i mean hopefully this means that uh maybe we get like a big like maybe wwe title uh picture feud for finn because that's usually what happens after you lose the mid-card title i think we're in a weird spot because i did obviously i did do some homework before i did this podcast ivan is coming blind but i know that paul Heyman and eric bischoff officially start this week literally in half an hour raw starts and this is apparently according to the internet this is Heyman and bischoff's first week which makes sense because everyone was like oh smackdown's not changed much but then if you go on eric bischoff's twitter he'd literally been traveling (laughs) to stanford for the last two days from wyoming so you're like okay that probably he's not started yet guys calm down so um I think it's going to be, this is a really, really interesting time because these guys are starting now and it presumably extreme rules. This is the original plan that they were all going for uh, before these guys come in. Presumably they've not, I know Heyman was obviously there, which we'll get to, but presumably they've not had any say yet. Uh, they've had, you can tell that on the TV, uh, that certain segments and certain things have had like their fingerprints sort of like all over it. Like, um, the Alistair Black Cesaro thing sort of had like that Bischoffy sort of like yeah. feel to it. Even, even more of like a, everything just sort of like certain things just sort of had like a different feel to them, um, leading up. So it's been sort of a gradual thing over the last two weeks, like ever since it really got announced, um, yeah. they must have had some sort of like consultation. I mean, then you had, um, you, you had like Corey Graves dropping an S bomb on, uh, on USA at like eight Oh five, two weeks ago. That's got Heyman written all over it. Yeah, like, absolutely. Blanket. I'm actually, before we get to the cruiserweight match, I'm actually weirdly way more intrigued by Bischoff being on SmackDown because obviously Bischoff's been put on SmackDown. The obvious reason for that is no matter what you think of the guy, he has a heck of a lot of experience dealing with TV execs, which is obviously going to be critical come October when they, move to, when they move to Fox and no matter what you think of Eric Bischoff and blah, 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 blah. The guy, you cannot deny his experience when it comes to dealing with execs. And uh, that's obviously what he's been brought in for. I'm actually really intrigued to see what he does with that because I do think the guy was was when he was in W, not TNA, because just that was just a fucking train wreck. But the guy was filled with good ideas, but was constantly handicapped by bullshit. And uh, so I'm pretty intrigued to see what he does. Um, having said that, I probably won't watch it. <laughs> and um, just if, rely on you guys telling me <laughs> well uh the uh like for like the last year he's been on there with conrad thompson going back and forth like looking at all the mistakes that were made and yeah and I everything like that and, that and 
you know, if you're going to look at anybody for this kind of position, it would be the guys who are very retrospective. And I think, I think Bischoff th- still thinks he's got a lot to prove uh, after TNA and whatever. Yeah, so, 100%. yeah. So, I mean, it, it could be very good or it can be total shit. It depends on how much Vince lets them get away with essentially yeah that is the question which we don't need to answer on this podcast because come october it'll be a way more interesting conversation um but let's move on i mean cruiserweight cruiserweight championship at the other match on the kickoff show which also in my opinion spoiler wasn't given enough time the cruiserweight champion drew gulak who is fantastic against uh tony nice who is also fantastic Um, I mean, yeah, he's not the most interesting bloke in the world, but a predictable result. Drew Gulak got the win with his finisher, which I can't remember what's called, what it was called at this point. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but it's that, like, torture rack TKO torture neck thing. Breaker. Yes, torture rack. It's, it's what uh, Nikki Bella used to call the rack attack. Rack uh, attack 2. Rack attack 2.0. It's a torture rack neck breaker. Good match, good back and forth, predictable result. Uh, it kind of cements Drew because I think this was again, and I think I said it on the Stomping Grounds review, that Drew won decisively in that triple threat. There was no doubt about it. And again, he just won decisively. But right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think especially after the stellar match that he had on the Evolve 10th anniversary show with Matt Riddle, uh, granted, he didn't win that match, but he had uh, an absolutely unbelievable match with Matt Riddle on the Evolve 10th anniversary show the night before. And like, geez, Louise, it was if he had if he had like lost two nights in a row in Philadelphia, like there might have been a riot. I mean, he's from Philadelphia. He got a huge reaction when he came out. Tony Nice got booed half the match just every time he got any sort of offense. But it didn't matter because Gulak dominates towards the end and wins. Um, uh, what's it called? Tony Nese had a like a shaky moonsault followed up by like a really botched 450. Um, and oh, yeah, he, like, it, Gulak took, it looked like it. I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it looks. If it was bad as it looked, I don't know how a human being could finish. But he took some serious knees to the gut. Like, Gulak did not look. Uh, no, yeah, he, he. I mean, then again, Gulak was in CZW for a while, or I'm sorry, CZW for a while. Oh, he's a hard bastard. Yeah, like him and, and his bro- him and his brother, um, Rory, Rory Gulak. Yeah, the amazing Gulaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're hard bastards. <laughs> yeah, they're they're hard men and they're great fucking wrestlers. Like as good as Gulak is on the Evolve 10th anniversary show and as good as he was in this match against Tony Nese, there's nothing compares to him on the main roster, like him, like live when you get to see him go, like, uh, like if you were to see him on a house show, probably, and they give him, you know, time, nothing in my opinion beats a, like a damn good Drew Gulak or even like amazing Gulak's match. Yeah. If you had a, I'm going to fantasy book you now. You've got 25 minutes on a house show to fill, and you can put Drew Gulak against anyone on the WWE main roster. Who would you pick? Oh, uh, shit. Okay. Um, 
probably shit. Uh, that's that's really hard. Uh, because AJ Styles would be amazing. Ricochet would be amazing. Samoa Joe would be a lot of fun. I'm gonna say Samoa Joe, just because uh, they're both kind of grounded wrestlers and they're really good at submissions. So like Samoa Joe versus uh, Drew Gulak would probably be a really like dope 25 minute match or like 20 minute match. Yeah, I'm gonna pick, and it's gonna be controversial. I'm gonna pick Randy Orton. Oh, that that I think a, I think really a, good. I think a fired up, and I know the stereotype that he's never fired up. I'm gonna pick a fired up Randy Orton. For so like 2002 20. to 2004, Randy Orton. Well, just I know it's tricky with Randy because, like. They say they say all the time. You hear the Edging Christian podcast if you listen to that, and they they always talk about Randy Orton, and they both say oh, the guy doesn't know how good he is. But I'm gonna pick a fire. I'm either gonna pick a fired up Randy Orton, or I'm gonna go obvious and say Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could see that. Um, but the guy's just... he, he's another one. Drew Gulak's another one. Where if he was two, three, maybe four inches taller, he'd be on the main roster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's obviously too big for two hundred five live. Like they waited too long to give him oh, the title. Great. Yeah, they they waited too long to give him the title. He's been charismatic. He's had to change his character several times. Like he's had to do more work for that title than anybody who's ever held it. I, like I'm just like that's my opinion that he's just he's done more work for that title and earned it more than anybody else who's ever held it. I mean, more than TJP, more than Enzo, more than Kalisto. I mean, I'm running down the cruiserweight championship in my in my head that uh, I can. Neville, Neville was cruiserweight champion, and Neville and Cedric Alexander. I think are the only two you're missing. And Neville really sort of like had the job of establishing the title as something that was serious because before him it wasn't that serious. And then Cedric Alexander is one of those guys that like needed the belt because the second he lost it, he disappeared again. Cedric is uh, Buddy Murphy is the other champion that we're forgetting. But um, Cedric, he suffers from that condition of being incredibly great in the ring, but incredibly boring as a person. Yeah, Curzon Blackass, as it's referred to. Yeah, but uh, Drew Gulak won, and it was a good match. I mean, the pre—I honestly, I don't know about you, Jimmy. I wouldn't say go out of your way to watch this pre-show, uh, unless you're—if you're a huge Shinsuke Nakamura fan, uh, go watch it because you get to see him win the IC title. But other than that, there's not much to offer on this pre-show other than looking at Charlie Caruso. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and she was fantastic. So other than that, I wouldn't go out of your way to watch these combined 15 minutes worth of wrestling. We're just going to skip right to the main show. And surprisingly, we open up with the No Holds Barred tag team match. Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre taking on Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. I think they were called, I think Byron called them like the Graveyard Dogs or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Something like, I don't know. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> this match this match goes about 17 minutes, and Roman Reigns and The Undertaker end up getting 
the big W here on the opening of the show. But honestly, I know, and, and I know that you agree with me here on this, Nathan, but Undertaker yeah. definitely, definitely came out ready to perform tonight. He was uh, unbelievable here. Yeah, he was. Because um, this entire match was, and um, we obviously have our predictions contest, which at this point I lost because I picked Shane and Drew, and it's over. But um, we're going to ignore that till the end and just talk about the show. Um, honestly, this was just a bucket load of fun, this match. Uh, this was 17 minutes of just sheer. It, it didn't really stop at any point. You obviously. Obviously, in a wrestling match, you have those few minutes where the heels are completely dominant. And at this time, it was. And I remember I literally said it in the Rogue Opinions group chat that we have about two minutes before it happened. And you guys were all taking a mickey at me. And I went, oh, it's OK. Elias is going to come with his guitar in a minute. And then, like two minutes literally, later, literally fucking Elias 40 kid. seconds. I have it. I have it written down. Nathan's best friend Elias shows up with his guitar moments after Nathan has texted the group yeah, and told us. I literally texted him and said, "Oh, it's okay. Elias is going to show up with his guitar." And then he showed up. But um, I mean, if there's one thing, and they've got this because I'll use the example of Triple H and Steph v Kurt Angle and uh, Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania 33? One of them. Um, they they know how to do bullshit tag matches. And they really did. And Undertaker turned out to play. And this is just, it was a bucket load of fun. You had got Shane McMahon putting Taker for a table and then hitting the coast to coast with a trash can. You got Taker going rage mode and just butchering everyone. He looked great. Like all the sins of the... I will confess to have not watched any of the Saudi Arabia show and literally haven't watched any of it. I am aware that the Goldberg match was not good. Um, but I would say he has erased the sins of that. And $1 million goes to the camera guy, whoever that camera guy was, that got that shot of Taker doing his shit and Drew McIntyre appearing behind him like a ghost ready to hit the claymore kick if anything in life has looked towards the future we are getting taker v drew one-on-one at SummerSlam because that camera angle was phenomenal but yeah this maximum marks this was fantastic um i know i i picked the wrong result i thought shane and drew i thought drew would pin taker and that would set up the match, but it turned out Taker just went fucking rage mode. But phenomenal. A-plus for me. This was amazing. This was my match of the night. Is it really? Yeah, I thought this was incredible. I thought this was just... I love... Um, I just love nonsense in wrestling. I'm not too fussed about technical brilliance and blah, blah, blah five-star um, classics and everything. I thought this was just a bucket load of fun. And you know what? The phrase, a bucket load of fun, can really describe most of this show. Um, as we'll move through, you'll see that there's, there's this pay-per-view has a lot going for it. Um, even on like the lesser like quality matches, like the, the matches that didn't have a lot of heat or just sort of seemed to struggle. I mean, we can just say this now. The fans were not here for like any of this show except for Taker and the Falls Count Anywhere match. That was about it. 
I would add, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I would add the New Day. I know we're going to get to it later, but presumably you guys have seen the show when the New Day won the tag titles. I thought the crowd popped huge. So I would add that to the list. But other than that, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and then, so like 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 we said, uh, Roman Reigns and The Undertaker pick up the, the W here. Um, and we move on to the Raw Tag Team title match who are in the most unenviable and unenviable position of the night except for one other team that we'll discuss uh it's the usos taking on the revival who are the defending champions um i mean this match had great back and forth action a few rough landings on both sides admittedly uh like especially that one where i i believe it was scott dawson just came down on the rope on his did on the rope on the ring with by his shoulder uh, just nasty um the Revival retain uh, after 12 minutes and 35 seconds uh, with a really smooth-looking Shatter Machine. I love that finish regardless, and it just looked fantastic uh, in this match. The Usos really showed up to play, as they do always. Uh, the Revival really tried their best to cut the ring off, which is what they do, but the the crowd just was not here for it. Uh, Nathan, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm kind of going to ignore the crowd because I'm going to ignore something that the performers and the WWE themselves and all the crew who are obviously working so hard can't affect because I don't think the crowd... I don't really think the crowd are worth commenting on just because sometimes you can't you can't do anything. I think they could have put on anything at some of these points in the show and they wouldn't have got much, so they're not worth mentioning. Uh, this was it was really good. The only the only criticism I will put onto this match is I thought Renee Young and Corey Graves back and forth about how in the WWE universe, obviously being a champion means you get more. So they were going back and forth a lot about how the revival were champions and they do. I not seen any of it, but apparently they're doing a gimmick now where they're basically lavish and they're living it large. Jimmy, am I right on that? Um, no. Oh, okay, that's that's what they were talking about. Renee Young and Corey. They, they the only were... thing that the only thing that's ever really been pointed out is that if they were to win, uh, Shane was on Raw one one week. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of the TV either, so like there's been oh, okay. Okay. so like there may have been a few other things, but the only thing I know of is that they were having like a Shane McMahon appreciation party in the the back one week and Shane is like, if you want to be part of the party, you got to win the tag belts tonight. And then they did. And so I guess now they're just sort of like posh, lavish tag team sort well, of excellence. Yeah, Corey and Renee, they were 100. They were going, they were having a proper back and forth about how the revival were apparently spending more money. Now they're champions and Corey Grace, obviously being the heel commentator was saying what's wrong with that. And the only issue I had was I was kind of siding with the heel. I was kind of listening to it and going, yeah, I kind of get, what the heel commentator is talking about. Like, if I'm champion and I'm making loads of money, I don't give a fuck. And Renee Young was kind of like, oh, now they're all lavish. But then that's a real, that's, we're, we're splitting hairs at that point because this is a really good, um, really good tag match. Um, I would imagine they've had better just to be a bit mean because this wasn't completely all there for me. But the Revival cut off the ring. They're re- One thing the Revival are really good on, they're really good on communication. Like, you can hear they talk to each other um, constantly. 
and it makes it feel more legit. It makes it feel less organized because you can hear Dash Wilder and uh, Dawson talking to each other. But, yeah, uh, there were there were uh, even at, uh, the closing spot of this match where um, I think it was Wilder went up for the tornado DDT, and when he went up, he shouted something to yeah, to Dawson. Yeah. And they got the tag, and then that led into the Shatter Machine, which I thought was a really inventive finish because normally the Usos will do that, where one will splash outside the ring, but the one will tag him on the way out so he can come in and like finish off the guy in the ring with like a roll up or a like a like a frog splash. So like they sort of beat the Usos at their own game. This for me, this entire feud is really boiled down to one thing. It was the easiest thing to book in the world, and they overbooked it. They they took two teams who consider themselves the best tag teams in the company. Uh, the Usos have been at the top of the division since uh, since they turned into the Uso penitentiary version of the Usos. They've been on the top of their game. And then the Revival come in saying that they're top guys. All they have to do is say, we're the best. No, we're the best. No, I hate you. Go fuck yourself. And then, boom, you have a, like a blood feud going. But instead, we had the Usi hot and like the shaving their back uh, in the shower thing. And, like, this match just sort of got thrown on. I wasn't aware of, like, why this match was even happening when it got announced. But, like, I can watch these these two teams wrestle whenever you put them on. Yeah. Yeah, this was this is awesome. I would love to see him. Um, I, I would love to see him given an NXT TakeOver opener-style match where they're just told, hey, here's 20 minutes, go fucking open the show. Um, I'd love to see that, but whether it will happen or not, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what other tag teams are on Raw because this kind of felt this kind of felt climactic. Which, considering building up to SummerSlam, I don't see how you then do another revival with Usos. But I also can't tell you who else is on Raw. Uh, I guess the Club, who we'll obviously see later on, but then you're doing Hill v Hill, so. Um. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, with the wildcard rule, I was talking to somebody about this at work today, that oh, it's just, with the wildcard rule, it is very difficult to sort of keep track of who's where and what's what, but this was a Raw tag team title match that featured two Raw tag teams for a change, and, um, and yeah, like, Street Profits, because we saw the Street Profits at one point in a back in a backstage segment, unless, I know, I know, obviously, they're still the NXT tag team champions, but... Unless you're bringing them up, that would be awesome. That could be really cool. I mean, depending on, I would like to see like a big tag team ladder match or whatever at SummerSlam because it's been a little while oh, since we've had one of those. One. Yeah, we really and are. We do like, another. Let's just do another TLC. Get the revival, the Usos, and the, oh, you know, what? I don't, I don't know where Jeff Hardy's back, but I would just love to see it as kind of a they do Jeff a Hardy, gimmick. I'd love to see him just they do a last stand gimmick where they're kind of like, Hey, we were the originals. We're going to fucking win it again in 2019. Jeff Hardy is currently sitting in a, um, North Carolina jail facility. I saw that. Drunk in public. So I doubt the last thing that they, I, I, I predict that the last thing they want to do is put that guy on the top of a ladder. They had, um, he's been posting on Instagram and stuff. Cause I don't know how it works over there, but being drunk and disorderly isn't really a thing here in the UK. So I remember reading that headline and being like, they arrested a man for being drunk? Fuck, they'd arrest half of my city. 
Well, like, <laughs> the thing is, is like, that because he was re- like the final point, he was released on a two hundred dollar bond, which apparently means we're talking minimal, minimal offense. Um, I don't know if that's true. That's just what I've read. I don't live in America, but that is what I've read that he was released on a two hundred dollar bond, which means he was arrested on an incredibly minimal offense. He was just probably outside of a bar somewhere being an asshole. Like, it happens all the time, especially the further south that you yeah. get. Sorry, people who live in the southern southern part of, the, of my country, but you're trash, and you're trash people, and <laughs> you guys get hammered, and you guys do stupid shit. That's why I like to get drunk in my house, and I don't yeah. go anywhere once I start drinking, because that's you weird. turn that's, into an asshole when you drink. That's not a thing here. Like, that's not a thing. Your country, Your country is built on alcohol. Like oh yeah, like, oh well, hang on. You guys literally had the what was it prohibition? <laughs> oh well, yeah, we had to fight against. You, it. I mean, yeah, you literally had a whole fight about it. We just fucking did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't need to have um, what's her face? Uh, Carrie Nation, that woman that used to hatchet down bars. Yeah, I, I I watched I watched Boardwalk Empire and. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you guys didn't have a Nucky Thompson over there or whatever because it no, did not just, for very long. We just drank, mate. We yeah. were like, "Hey, is that was, yeah. we were like, "Hey, what do you call this with a like, beer?" We're like, "Oh, what do you do? Just drink it." And then just, we just go on with it. Just drink it. We, uh, that's why we had an empire. But yeah, and then and that worked out for you guys so well. Um, next up on Extreme Rules <laughs> is. The grudge match, Cesaro versus Aleister Black. This match goes about nine minutes, nine and a half, almost ten minutes. And uh, as expected, this match starts off fast and furious. Great submission transitions from the two of them about midway through the match. These guys just pulled out some incredible maneuvers. Like Cesaro caught Aleister Black when he went to go for like the Meteora knee strike and lifted him up and then just uppercutted him as he came down. Cesaro is a fucking freak of nature. And then after all of that, Black hits the most insane Black Mass I've seen in a long time and knocks Cesaro the fuck out. Or I'm sorry, sparks him the fuck out. And one, two, three, Aleister Black gets the win in nine minutes and 45 seconds. See, this is the problem for me with, with a lot of this show is that a lot of this show is just good and it's harder to talk about good matches because they are they're so like like you can't just run down the list of spots that happen like my opinion of this match is it was fucking really good and we just need more of this 100 percent agree uh my opinion uh and since you brought it up i'll just bring it up now my opinion of this show is they didn't need to add the other two matches if they didn't have the other two matches, if they just gave Gulak v. Nice uh, more time and did whatever the fuck they wanted on the kickoff show, do what you guys want. Just give them, I don't know, give them 25 minutes. Go fucking nuts. And didn't have, I know we're going to get a KO v. Dolph wasn't long. I know we're talking about 10 minutes, but like this, this needed more time. Um, that's that's my assessment of this. My assessment of this is I want more. I want to see them fight again. And I want to see them fight again for 20 minutes. Why are they given less than 10 minutes? We have a 
we have a handicap match coming up after this to didn't need more time, but it got more time than this. Um, this is, but I am splitting hairs because this was spectacular. Uh, Cesaro, yeah, when he caught him in the knees and threw him up for that uppercut, it's just it's just unreal. You just got, I never believed for a second Cesaro was winning, but what a spot! And they only got, they got less than ten minutes. You have Alistair Black v Cesaro. And they're getting less than 10 minutes on a pay-per-view. Come on. Open the show with them. Give them 20. After after weeks and weeks of buildup of Aleister Black talking about how badly he wants a fight. And I was actually, there's an interesting thought crossed my mind earlier today when I was talking about this match is that this is maybe the best example of the wild card ever. Um, because you have a SmackDown superstar, Aleister Black, and a Raw superstar, Cesaro, but Aleister Black banged on for fucking weeks. I want to fight. I want to fight. It's like, mate, go to the ring and call somebody out. Like, it's not that hard. But, like, he bitched and moaned for weeks and weeks and weeks, and Cesaro gave everybody on the roster, like, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to respond. And then Cesaro jumped over and was like, hey, I'm the one knocking on your door. What up, homie? Let's go. And he's he came out like a fucking like his new gear is great. His theme song is great. I mean, Antonio Cesaro was just fantastic. Alistair Black is fantastic. Like they didn't let each other do all of like they didn't get all of their shit in. But I think that was like the best one of the best things about this match is that it was very unpredictable. There were times where I thought maybe Alistair Black was going to lose this this match. I mean, Cesaro was fucking on point in this match. But I mean, we can sit here. The rest of the night blow in this match, but let's get on shitting on something. Next up, two-on-one handicap match for the SmackDown Live women's title. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss versus Bayley. You want to talk about a team who is in an unenviable fucking position. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss had to go up and wrestle Bayley after Cesaro and Aleister Black kicked each other's fucking teeth in. And this match goes 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Bayley ends up retaining. Um, Quickly, my... Uh, my thoughts on it are just Nikki and Bliss control a large portion of the match, which is to be expected. No signs of dissension, but then Bailey fights back at the end and pins Cross to retain. It was a solid finish and a big win for her title reign. I think it it means more. It helps solidify Bailey's title win here that she was able to get like this like dominant of a victory over. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss here, where she was embarrassed last year at Extreme Rules in that, um, what was it, uh, Kendo Stick on a Pole match. And oh, no, that was, um, that was two years ago. Okay, so my, my point remains valid, though, is that yeah, she was, yeah, 100%. was embarrassed at this exact pay-per-view two years ago in a match with Alexa Bliss, and she was able to come out and really have a really incredible finish to this match. Um, so yeah, it was it was fine. It was fine overall. Bailey continues to have the title. We didn't get Sasha Banks, so uh, they were in a bad position, and the crowd wasn't exactly with them. So, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, this is one of those tricky matches where I just have to be honest, and I know we're doing this, but where obviously I I have the position where I, I don't watch the TV. Um, so I am massively lacking the context, which is why I will cut this a lot of slack. 
Uh, it was good. It was a good match. It was competitive. Um, this was actually one of the ones where I weirdly... This was the only one where I predicted the winner that you didn't. Uh, but our predictions contest was already over by this point. Jimmy had already won. But, um, yeah. but the one thing I got right was I did have Bailey. Um, I don't know what's going on with Sasha Banks in the real world outside of this. And to be honest, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, I mean, um, I couldn't give a, f- uh, I couldn't give a monkeys, um, what's going on. I mean, but it was a good match. I didn't re I liked the spot where Bailey had Nikki cross in the, Oh, I want to call it an Indian death lock. Cause I think it's a move that triple H used to do. And uh, but and she also had Alexa Bliss in kind of a bank statement, uh, which is obviously a nod to Sasha. Um, that was cool, but Bailey just dominated. I presume all logic leads to the fact that Sasha Banks is coming back soon and is probably gonna turn heel on Bailey. I know she's been in Japan doing lots of training with some Japanese wrestlers, but God knows I. Don't give a shit. But um, yeah, Bailey looks strong. That's the one thing. And one thing that WWE is always criticized for is they don't put champions strong. Well, you can't get much stronger than just fucking winning a handicap match as easy as piss, can you? So Bailey looks strong as fuck. I don't know what's going on with Ronda. Um, she's been talking about and tweeting about and doing YouTube videos about how she misses WWE. So presumably she's got another little run in her. I presume Sasha Banks is coming back. I don't know what Charlotte's doing. She wasn't on this pay-per-view. But Bailey looks strong as piss. Good match. Next up on the card, we have the False Count Anywhere match. 17 minutes and 30 seconds. Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman. Yes. This is last man standing, you fucking liar. Oh, not false count anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I wrote down false count anywhere. That was that is my bad. It is last man standing, Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman. And I've talked a lot of shit about about Bobby Trashley in the past, but God damn it, if this fucking match wasn't entertaining as a motherfucker, this was my match of the goddamn night. This is so good. This is like um, sometimes in wrestling, and uh, I'm just gonna word it like this and. If you want to be offended by it, it's fine. Sometimes you just want to see two big men just fucking smack the shit out of each other. And that's what wrestling... Sometimes it's just two big piles of meat just fucking being meat and just meeting all over each other. This was so good. Look at all that beef! Whoever booked this, like, this is it's so good. You've just got two big bastards just punching the shit out of each other it all looks legit i don't doubt for a second that both of them weren't hurting after this match but this was so good it was booked perfectly neither were booked to look weak like even lashley lost but how good does lashley look after this match you you got fucking Strowman who like suplexed him into a wall at that merch area like oh, that looked that was fucking crazy. the spear through the barricade like like a foot away from the steps like for a split second i was very concerned that like Strowman's head was going to bounce off the corner of those steel steps this fucking match had everything they went into the crowd i'm just going to read off to you what i have what i have written down in order 
The only the only down point I have from this match is that it took Strowman like a weird amount of time to come out when his music hit for some reason. Don't know why. Moving on. Lashley tries to jump Braun but gets crushed because he got fucking crushed, dude. Um, both men battle into and through the crowd. They get really deep into the crowd and fight in onto the mezzanine. Braun suplexed Lashley right into the wall at the merch tables. Motherfucker got crushed. Braun brings the fight back into the arena, but gets tackled through the barricade. Lashley got thrown into the international announce desk after jumping over the barricade in a single bound. Uh, just and shout he- out, just very, just shout out to Funaki. Was that Funaki got crushed? I thought I thought it was uh, the Sean Dang, um, like yeah, the Mandarin, Mandarin table. No, nah, no, nah, it was uh, it was definitely because I saw. Well, I read it and I saw it on the. Uh, not that they need it, but shout out to the Cultaholic graded uh, review that Jack the Jobber did earlier. But he's but he also he also said there was Funaki that took the bump. Your your close personal friend Jack the Jobber, and by close I mean proximity. Not. Oh yeah, I I <laughs> I am legitimately. Uh, this is not a creepy thing. I I live real close to him. <laughs> well, I I don't know I don't know where he is, but I, I see him about town. Probably once every few weeks, I generally see him about. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Funaki. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I I had I had just seen that like. Somebody just got fucking. I saw them scurry. I saw the Mandarin team scurrying around and still doing commentary. And I was like, to be honest, like um, I've completely derailed your note reading, but I'll just keep going. But like um, the camera work on this, shout out to that. That was that it made it feel real because they had cameras running in from angles. They had cameras shaking all over the place. They had handheld cameras. They were they made this feel as real a fight as a bullshit wrestling match can feel. And so honestly, quick, quick to that. honestly, like they, the, like the way that most of these like blood feuds go is that they always start a match with like a lockup or whatever. But Lashley went right after Strowman. He got his ass kicked. They were out running around the arena, kicking the shit out of one another. Um, at one point, Lashley threw a person at Braun oh, to like, that was at first, at first, I thought one of these goddamn, like, fucking Philadelphians just got, like, like too drunk and was, like, running down the stairs. But, like, I watched it back just like that one. I rewound just, like, a couple seconds, and it was literally Bobby Lashley was just like, you, get over here, and, like, pushed him into Braun. Um, you can even hear it on commentary where they didn't know what happened there for a second because, like, Lashley just threw this person into him. But then, to end the match... They fight up onto a balcony, onto like a like a vomitorium, and Braun power slams Lashley. Okay, so Lashley throws a person at Braun. So Braun, in response, power slams Bobby Lashley off of a balcony and punched his way through a wall like the fucking Kool Aid Man to win the match at 17 and a half minutes. And this is like the show really just fucking like went to a whole nother level during this match. Like you're in Philadelphia on a pay-per-view called extreme rules. And this crowd is looking for one thing and one thing only that isn't named Paul Heyman. And it is just fucking dudes murdering each other. And 
this was what that match was. This is everything this match should have been. This is easily my match of the night. It's fucking like other than like, and I'm just going to say it now, other than Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler, which I think is the most like the best use of Dolph Ziggler in like 10 years. Um, like this was easily match of the night. I did not expect that from the build. I figured they were going to shit the bet on this and they didn't uh, easily match of the night. Uh, my uh, match of the night so far, fun stuff for sure. More of this, please. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent agree. I know I said earlier that um, Shane and Drew v Taker and Roman was match of the night. That was genuinely, and I even said this off the re- the recording. Uh, it's because I kind of forgot about this match. This match was also my match of the night, my genuine match of the night. This was fantastic. Um, sometimes you just want wrestling to be two big dudes hitting each other. And this was that. Uh, you can't go wrong. Fantastic. Uh, I thought Bobby Lashley at the end kind of almost seemingly to throw the white towel in. You remember when he was on his knees and he was like, I'll just come on and hit me again. Um, yeah, I thought they, that's... Before they went up the stairs and Strang was just kicking the shit out of him. Yeah, and I think that that's like, I thought that's kind of where the match was going to end. Um, where like he was just going to keep hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and hitting him until Bobby went down. And I thought that might have been sort of like a flat finish almost. But then they went up the stairs. Bobby threw a fan yeah, at Braun. So Braun was like, I'm going to fucking power slam you off this fucking vomitorium and I'm going to kill you now. So that's going to be it. And then he punched his way through the fucking wall that they had built like the fucking Kool-Aid man. I really hope somebody out there right now is editing that and Edit just this, yes <laughs> just editing it to just where it's like oh yeah oh, again oh yeah <laughs> like a macho man or oh if you said the cool no just the kool-aid guy just yeah. the kool-aid guy busting through the wall like that uh from that episode of uh family guy where he just busts oh, yeah. through the wall oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um but no, so, this was, it was fantastic it was just like it was it was a testosterone fest. It was just two big guys, and they they were actually hitting each other. You had actually you had actually messaged me earlier in the day that this was the manliest thing that you've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what I said. I think I said it was like two erupting volcanoes, but they weren't sure if they were trying to fuck or fight. And. <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that, but that's kind of what it was like. It was just two big bastards. They were both, you know what? They were both willing to sell. They were both willing to take the hits, and they were both willing to give the hits. And um, man, did they both take a pounding? Because they were two erupting volcanoes of muscle. They were yeah. just two big bicep volcanoes erupting with manliness. There was oh, and you can't, you can't miss it. And this isn't uh, this isn't us, and I know we have to be careful these days. This isn't us taking away from women's wrestling, but like this was just too big, six foot. Well, I don't. I know Braun's about six eight, legit, and Lashley must be about six two, six three, legit. And is a genuine MMA Bellator fighter. Don't we forget? Um, and a former like army. Oh, and a, yeah, and a, for, and a former military man in the U.S., which I know carries a lot of respect. But like, um, 
obviously thank thank you for your service, but like um just being a shit out of each other. It was brilliant. It was fantastic. It was the it was this was um I forgot about it. This was my real match of the night. This was just phenomenal. And Braun uh, I think wrestling sometimes is at its best when the winner and the loser comes out looking good. Braun came out looking like the monster, the monster amongst men, whatever you want to call him. And I think Lashley genuinely has come out. I don't think he lost anything from losing. This is the best. This is easily the best thing he's done since he's come back. 110%. This is easily the best thing he's done since he came back. And I mean, this really puts him back into sort of that realm of yeah. where, like, you could see him up against Brock Lesnar. Oh, if you, if, I don't know, Raw is literally live on now, and um, uh, we're not going to check it because we don't want to spoil anything, but, like, um, if they chucked him in to the U- U.S. title picture now, if he was AJ's next feud, which, um, spoiler alert, but um, if he was AJ's next feud, I think that's realistic. I think Braun goes into the main event immediately after this and i think lashley didn't lose anything because he genuinely if you watch the match the guy was competitive the entire way and didn't look like when he was with leo rush i thought he just looked like a bitch to be honest he did he he was a fucking he was a big black bell end is what he was he yeah, was just like, showing when, people his ass and fucking it just it didn't not, nothing he did with Leo Rush fucking mattered at all. Like it really didn't fucking matter. And I get that that was the whole point. He was a heel and blah, 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 blah. But you can have a big, strong, monstrous heel having these big hoss matches instead of him fucking mooning people like what the fuck we can go all night about that. But. Yeah, As they 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 fixed it. They fixed it now because this is he. I think Lashley comes out of this looking like a contender. I think Braun comes out of this going straight into the main event. Absolutely, uh, phenomenal, f- f- just phenomenal match. I think put together, whoever agented it or whatever, whoever needs the credit these days, since we have to give out all the credit. Whoever did that, shout out to you, Braun and Lashley, phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, this was phenomenal, and we move directly on to something else phenomenal. AJ Styles is backstage with Charlie Caruso, and uh, he says he's going to take the U.S. title from Ricochet, and it's going to be too sweet. And we move on, because that's about as good as that promo was, to the SmackDown Live tag team title match, Triple Thread. It goes about 14 minutes and it's the New Day, Big E and Xavier Woods versus Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the defending champions. Uh, Woods and Bryan start off strong back and forth action from the start. Woods takes a lot of punishment from Bryan, Rowan, Otis, Tucker, the crowd, everybody. Um, I mean, Heavy Machinery looked great. I mean, over the last two matches, Heavy Machinery is over in my book now. Like, I think that they're fucking great. Like, I was very hard-pressed to give that much of a shit about them because I felt like they were kind of like a kitty act. They were kind of too jokey around, joking aroundy or whatever. Um, but in the last two matches that Heavy Machinery has had, like with Daniel Bryan and Rowan and now the New Day involved, they, they're they great. They're just great. They're, even their finisher was awesome. They're, they're, the, the, the compactor or whatever it was, it's just like they both fall down 
one fat guy bounces off the other fat guy into the air, back down with the splash, and that's just ridiculous. Um, the like the, this this is another really fun match on this show. Like it was entertaining, it was good, it was just back and forth action, and the result was obviously by the by the pop of the fans. This was a result that people were looking for. The New Day capture their sixth uh, WWE tag team title, um, which means the the New Day is holding a lot of gold and silver right now. Uh, your thoughts on the SmackDown Live tag team title triple threat match? Yeah, I loved it. This was a, just a... I'm going to use the phrase again since it's slowly becoming a catchphrase. This was a bucket load of fun. Um I love what Daniel Bryan's doing, even though Daniel Bryan realistically, you're instincted to go, why is this guy not in the main event? But it's because he he's doing something cool, which is building new stars. I think I said it on the stomping grounds review, or I've said it on some point, or maybe I just haven't said it on recording. Uh, heavy machinery remind me a lot of a 2019 two call. I think they're, they're phenomenal. They're a, they're a bucket load of fun. I'll say it again. Um, they're a stupid, stupid amount of entertainment. I love what they bring. Obviously, Otis literally does the worm. <laughs> Although he calls it the caterpillar. Yeah, um, yeah. They remind me so much of just what... They remind me so much of Two, Col- two Calls role, Brian Christopher and Scotty Too Hotty. And obviously, at times, Rikishi. But they don't have a third at the moment. Um, I think they're great. I maybe would have liked to have seen them win. I know neither. I think we both had Brian and Rowan on the predictions. Um, but I would have maybe liked to see Heavy Machinery win to establish them more. But but oh well, they can be established at a later date because the I money think still the money is in the chase. And uh, by the yeah. time that those guys do win the tag belts, it'll be so because I think this is still just payoff from all the work that Big E and Xavier did to get Kofi into that title match and how like well yeah. uh, those matches went over. I mean, fucking a give me Big E one on one with Daniel Bryan more because Big E was a fucking star in this match. And it was yeah. unbelievable how you always forget how goddamn good every single member of the New Day is. And then they just come out and they just kill it. Their timing, their work, their finesse, their character work, everything is just on point. And honestly, like, after they hit the up, up, down, down for the win, they become six-time tag team champions. I can't wait to see their celebration as long as it doesn't last fucking three months like it did with Kofi. Um like I feel like this, like this is going to be something special to watch now that like the new day is like just all gold all the time. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think as long as they do something, like, as long as they do something with it, because in the past it's kind of just been like the new day have the belts, they'll cut the same new day promos, but hopefully they'll do something new. Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think Biggie looked amazing. I think Xavier Woods quietly one of the best sellers going today like the guy takes punishment like i don't know no one else like the way he was another shout out to daniel bryan when he was 
had that submission where he was stood on Xavier's uh, uh, on his thighs, and they were he was clawing at his eyes and clawing at his mouth, and the ref was like, "Stop doing that!" And Daniel Bryan just went, "It's no DQ." Actually, like, what do you, that I was made a real funny moment. I made note of this. I made note of this where Brian actually is clawing him in the eyes and he's like, Oh, is that is that not allowed? Oh, guess what? That's right. It's, yeah, no, DQ. it's no DQ. And <laughs> shouted right and, and you can just see the ref just going, Fuck me. Really? God damn it. All right. Who was the ref? Um it wasn't Charles Robinson. Kyoto? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't remember, but yeah, Brian shouted it right in his face. It's no right DQ. In his face. And I thought that was amazing. I never, for some reason, I never tire of hearing Otis go, Tucker! <laughs> just like, Tucker! <laughs> it just cracks me up. Um, you know, six um, completely different personalities in the ring at the same time, meshing together. Honestly, and this might not be popular because it seems from the internet he's got a bit of a stigma. Shout out to, I think Rowan is fantastic. Like, as a big guy, you don't really realize how fucking huge that guy is. He dwarfed everyone in it. He he's, is a big he's, man. He's obviously been sitting under the learning tree of Daniel Bryan, though. Like, you can tell oh, that he's definitely. greatly improved from being around guys like Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt and now Daniel Bryan. Like, especially after the last few months where it really seems like Daniel Bryan's got this fire back about professional wrestling and he seems to have picked heavy machinery for this program. He seems to like have picked Rowan for his partner. Like everything just seems to oh, work okay. he's right doing, now. He's doing what he wants, but, but I think I, he's, he's never going to listen to this, but shout out Rowan is slow. He's, he's become a sleeper hit because that guy is, I remember this scene when he was in the ring with Tucker, and Tucker was a giant man. Tucker. And I was just like, and I was just sitting, I was just watching a match, like, fucking hell, Rowan is a huge man. And, like, you kind of don't realize it, but he must be 6'8, six, 6'9, six, legit. He must be that tall. But, um, yeah, I thought he was a sleeper hit. Biggie, uh, I agree, was probably the MVP of this match. Uh, Otis was fucking hilarious brian taking the fall like talk about a guy that's never afraid to put people over wow like spot on there nathan six eight according to wikipedia he is he's a giant he legitimately is a ginormous man but um his birthday's the day before mine eight years before mine. and never mind i'm reading into this too much but he's yeah. 6'8", 315 pounds, 140, 143 kilograms. Jesus, that's a big man. He is a giant. Because he, he, he would stand head-to-head -head with uh, with Harper when they were in the... Probably taller than Harper, but um, big boy. But Daniel Bryan, never afraid to put people over. He's kind of like the modern-day rock in the sense that... I remember this is a tangent... I'm going to go on a... Jimmy, do you mind if I go on a tangent? No, no, please go right ahead. Okay, here I go. Off on my tangent. Do you, want me to, on... do you want me to start a clock for you, or...? No, it'll be a quick one. 
Okay. I always see people on Twitter talk about, oh, wins and losses, blah, 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 blah. You never saw the people in the Astute era losing all the time. Just to let everyone know, if you go on Cage um, cage Match or Cage Fight, whatever it's called, the Match Statistics website, and look at a man called Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he lost 48% of his matches. And the guy was still a legend and an icon. And that's why I think Daniel Bryan is slowly becoming. I think he is becoming a guy who is incredible. And you can put him in any spot, any time. But he can lose all the time. If you need him to. And he will always make a start. And I think, again, he he took the fall in this match. Triple threat, six-man tag. He didn't need to take the fall. Either one of Tucker or Otis or maybe not Rowan because I don't know what they're doing with Rowan, but he never seems to take pinfalls or submissions. He never seems to be the guy that loses, but anyone else could have taken the fall in that match, but it was Daniel Bryan, the actual star. And, uh, I don't think that made it worth so much more. The fact that they pinned Daniel Bryan. I don't know what you think about that, but I think they pinned Daniel Bryan. They didn't pin Otis or Tucker or Rowan. Uh, six-time champs great match no yeah it was a fantastic match um all of these guys really came out and like just crushed it just like all six of these guys came out really just showed what they were made of here um i think this was probably the right time for brian and rowan to lose the belts um i think heavy machinery have a little bit further to go before they get the belts but um yeah, I mean, I, I again, this is another one of those matches that you can't really say much about because it was just fun. Um, then uh, shall we get on to the match of the night? Uh, hold on, hold on. Before we do, uh, the New Day are about to be interviewed when Paul Heyman just grabs the mic and walks out and says Brock Lesnar is going to cash in his money in the bank tonight on either Seth or Kofi, and says, "Am I? Am I being truthful?" Or am I just being Paul Heyman? And, you know, as much as you want to, as much as people love Paul Heyman and whatnot, uh, he went out there, he said that he is Philadelphia. He is the entire idea behind uh, the Extreme Rules pay-per-view as it exists now and stuff like that. I mean, that's all true. ECW is what, like, uh, I don't know if uh, anybody listens to, um, other podcasts that have gone into like uh, the one night stand pay-per-views, but the one night stand ECW 05 and 06 turned into one night stand that turned into extreme rules that we now enjoy today. So really extreme rules, especially in Philadelphia goes back to a ECW mindset. And for uh, Paul Heyman to come out there and say that, Something's going to happen, and he'll be damned if he leaves Philadelphia without the Universal or WWE Championship around the waist of his client. More than likely, he ain't he ain't fucking around. Um, but he then, you know, he throws the mic as he as he likes to do, and then he walks off. And we get the United States Championship match. The champion Ricochet defends against AJ Styles. This match goes about 16 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, right before the bell, the club jumps Ricochet. Um, and Styles becomes in control, like he's in control, uh, for a fair amount of the match, but it gets turned around by Ricochet for a brief, 
period of time. There was like a, a like a weird little like knee injury spot off the Oshigurushi uh, neck breaker that uh, Styles does because of how like Ricochet just sort of landed on him. Um, Anderson saves the match for AJ like legitimately when AJ's leg was just under the rope, but then doesn't take him long to interfere. And then Gallows, uh, Gallows hits um, Ricochet as he's setting up for the 630. AJ then delivers a second rope styles clash for the win and wins the U.S. title for the third time. His first two reigns were not that great, but with Paul Heyman at the helm, for the first time in AJ Styles' career, he has Paul Heyman behind the helm writing his storylines and stuff for him. So it is possible that this could be something that is rather interesting. Nate, what are your thoughts on AJ Styles becoming the new United States champion? Uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of come in kind of harsh on this match. Um, just because, I don't know, I feel like taking that angle. I just expected more, if I'm honest. I feel like when you see Ricochet v. AJ Styles on a card, you're expecting... It comes with the expectation of who they are, obviously, and their reputation. You're expecting a barn burner. You're expecting the match of the night. I don't feel like we ever reached full gear. And I think that's because they were setting up the story of the club and they wanted to set up Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, AJ Styles as uh being this dominant force and they kind of i kind of feel like they sacrificed that for the sake of this match that's not to say we didn't get some great action i feel like we got some great resilience and great selling from ricochet um i feel like the was it when he was going for the stars clash and he reversed into the harakarana into the pin um where the jimmy nearly looked like he kind of broke his own neck um, I thought that was good. The shooting star press, the slingshot shooting star press was unbelievable. Um, it kind of felt like he stopped in slow motion when Ricochet does that. Um, I thought that was incredible. But I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Jimmy, but I just kind of, I felt like we were going to get more from these guys. I feel like they have, I feel like there was an extra gear that they never reached. Um, I don't know. What, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that that uh, there is a certain level of expectation when it comes to not only a ricochet match, not only an AJ Styles match, but when you get those two guys together in the center of the ring, one on one against each other, regardless of the fact of who's playing hit, uh, feel uh, face or heel, easy for me to say, um, you, you, you have a certain expectation. And there was a, a little bit of shenanigans uh, through the match that maybe... Uh, maybe offset it a little bit, and it's sort of with the deck stacked against Ricochet. It was, the, it was just that on TV, Ricochet had this promo about, um, well, you know, AJ is going to be out there with his buddies from the club, and I'm just going to have to go it alone. And it's like, well, why do you have to go it alone? Nobody else wants TV yeah. time. Nobody wants to help you out. You know, whatever. But I feel like this might be. Because as we've seen so far and as we'll continue to see for the rest of the night, this whole show was sort of just sort of wrapping up the loose ends from the non-era that we've had over the last like year and a half where like WWE just seems sort of listless and like 
every once in a while they'd do something to get you hooked and then they'd fuck it up or like it would even be okay but then everything else would be kind of pish and like you get to a certain point with something that like look you don't watch the weekly tv more often than not i don't watch the weekly tv if we weren't recording right now i'd probably be watching it just because this is paul Heyman's first night uh officially and it's just you know it's been a rough go of everything but i feel like on this show on this night this delivered as much as it should have and they got all the time in the world for it uh there weren't any like major botches or fuck-ups or omissions or anything everybody got their shit in and i i popped real hard for that second that second rope styles clash like i didn't think either of them were, were gonna get hurt but like damn it was kind of hard stopping there for a second like you don't normally see that kind of thing um and for aj styles to get this belt that like he's had two times before and it has not been the best i feel like this is the best possible time for him to hold a mid-card title because we've seen Heyman works well with guys in the mid-card especially that we have like a bullet club reunion happening so I don't know. I think this match was good. I can see what you're saying where it like never really hit that third gear. But, you know, Styles is 41, 42. Yeah. And Ricochet's been on the road more more so than ever the last like year. So maybe this is their third gear as we move forward. And honestly, if we get more stuff like this and more stuff like we saw in the tag title match and the uh last man standing match, then I'm fucking, I'm all for whatever we get moving forward. Yeah, I am. I'm splitting hairs. Um, I'm kind of just being unnecessarily negative. This was still, it was still awesome. Um, it was still great. And I know it was setting up for the future more than the extreme rules. It's never going to be the end of most stories. Like, hopefully it's the end of some of these stories, especially when we mm-hmm. get to the main event. Um, but like, It was um, never, it was never going to be match of the year. It wasn't even going to be the best of their no. series. Not when you have not when you have twelve matches on a card. That's another thing that we'll get to when we're wrapping up. There's a lot of matches. <laughs> it's just kind of like, um, but somehow this show felt shorter than Fight for the Fallen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you did. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch it. Like, we'll get to them. I genuinely think this show's really good. So, um, like, let's get into. We're talking about match of the year candidates. Let's let's oh. get into the let's get into the real the real match of the year candidates. AJ Ricochet, Jimmy, it was real good. It was real good. It's not match of the year though. May may I take over? May I take over? May I take over? I will hand you the ball. Okay. Have the ball. Go for it. AJ Styles versus Ricochet. It's great. It's fine. You know? Last man standing match between two giant guys who like to beat the fuck out of each other. That's fine. That's great. But you know what? You can take it. You can shove it up your ass because I'm talking about match of the decade. Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, 17 seconds, one slap, one stunner, one, two, three. And my boy takes it. My boy took that shit. That's my boy right there. Yeah. Took that shit. Yes. Oh, man. When Nikki from the Spirit Squad slapped Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen, and Kevin Steen looked him in the eyes and went, "Fuck you! You've been here forever. 
I've had to watch you for every pay-per-view for what feels like 20 years, Nikki, from the Spirit Squad. Fuck off. Go do your stand-up. Why are you here? Why are you on every fucking show that I ever watch? Piss off. Dick. Yeah. yeah it was it was real good. And I just I Dolph Ziggler seems like such a nice guy. I know he does. I've watched his interviews I watched his interview rather with Chris Van Vliet. He seems great. And I know that he knows that there's an issue because he was on Edge and Christian's podcast and he was talking about how he's asked for time off and how he hates the fact that basically he hates the fact that he's become the guy that is bought in because he's a great hand and he's a legitimately phenomenal wrestler. No one is saying that. And he knows there's an issue with his character because he's said it out loud that he's the guy that reaches a point and then loses. And he did that for forever. And I respect that. But stop fucking doing it then, Dolph. <laughs> you don't need the money. Yeah, like, no one believes you need this money. Fuck off. <laughs> retire. Don't ret- uh, retire. I'm going to go there. Retire. Fuck off. We don't need you, Dolph. And um, But yeah, this wasn't really the story of the match this is more about the promo after which i quickly discovered was the continuation of another promo because i watched this and then went what the fuck's this guy talking about and then went and watched his smackdown promo <laughs> yeah uh the so promo was very good apparently- they cut it out uh, when he took Byron's headset, which I thought was the coolest thing, even though they did pipe it in so the rest of the audience could hear it um, on SmackDown, I thought that like the way that he like rebelled against the whole Shane McMahon thing. And honestly, I'm gonna agree with Finn Martin and say I would love to see Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, in like a loser leaves town equivalent style match, and then Kevin Owens beats him, and Shane McMahon fucks off to survive helicopter crashes and whatnot for you know months on end uh because that actually brings up a genuine point let's talk about it now because it's kind of the end of the shane mcmahon thing what do you think of shane mcmahon as a performer because i genuinely think he's great I think for a guy who's nearing 50 years old, who's had very little professional wrestling training, despite being around it for 20, 30, 40 years, uh, is very good. His punches look like dog shit, but at least he's never afraid to do a coast to coast or that elbow drop through the table. He's still able to do the same stuff he was doing 20 years ago in that match versus test at SummerSlam or that match with Steve Blackman or that match with Kurt Angle or... You look back, Shane McMahon's a goddamn good performer. And even at 49, he's still very, 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 very good, uh, minus the punches. And him as a heel has been really effective. But I think it's time for him to like walk away for a couple of months again. Because uh, just like all of the other McMahons, he's best when he's used sparingly. Yeah. Um, I pretty much, I pretty much back up back up everything that you said i genuinely think he is he's a phenomenal and 
WWE wrestler. Like, he's not going to... He probably could do a New Japan match. Not a main event New Japan match. I'm not talking about a main event New Japan match. I'm talking about he could probably do a middle-of-the-card New Japan match. But, like, the guy's unreal sometimes. When you watch him and you just think, fucking hell, this guy's barely ever trained. But, like, um, he's probably trained a lot more than we think he has because he's real good. But... um, I think this whatever this Kevin Owens feud ends up being, I do a, agree. I don't watch the TV, but this needs to be the end of it. I think it's done. I think it's run its course, and it was a great run, Shane. You had a real good time. I'm really glad they're not going to go with all the rumours where they were saying, like, oh, Shane's going to be in the WWE Championship match at SummerSlam. And, I was the, and then when they... When they when I saw the things, or um, I can't remember who told me, but someone told me because I didn't see it that Eric Bischoff and that was taken over SmackDown. I was like, oh, good, we're not going to get Shane McMahon in the WWE. No, title. apparently I that's said. something. <laughs> apparently that's something he actively fought against. Where he's like, it's 2019, we need to focus on other people, not the oh, fucking McMahon. Yeah. Just like, just just go, just like. That's the thing that you can always. Um, uh, kind of rely on with Bischoff is that he will put the proper stars in the proper places and I'm sure loads of people or whoever, loads of people will tweet me and give me shit for that but I think that's correct to say but, um, but yeah this was it, was it was so much better than I thought it was going to just Kevin Owens winning one stunner Dolph, I, there's nowhere Dolph can go from this so can you just let him go do his stand up, please? I feel like He's this might have been this might have been something along the lines of like the way that the rest of this show went, where it was there was like a, a feeling of finality to everything, and Dolph Ziggler really only came back because Kevin Owens refused to go to Saudi Arabia. That was really it. Yeah, they I turned they, they turned Kevin Owens heel because Daniel Bryan wouldn't go to Saudi Arabia. Dan then. Um, after they turned Kevin Owens heel, Kevin Owens decided to not go to Saudi Arabia, so they brought in Ziggler. Um, so then Ziggler yeah. lost, Ziggler lost, and then Ziggler lost, and then Ziggler lost again on SmackDown. I'm not making that up. They had like three or four matches. Um, and now he's kind of done again, which is fine. I like Dolph Ziggler enough, but I, at this point, I'm just sort of fucking over it. Yeah, just, go, really, just let just let him go. Like he's still great. He's still he's still really really good. And we're not neither of us. And I know Jimmy will agree with that. We're not questioning his ability as a performer. Absolutely not. No, he's an but, accomplished, yeah. amateur wrestler, professional wrestler. He, he's still consistently one of the best sellers ever to be in oh, fan- yeah he's he's phenomenal i'll never forget the survivor series 2014 match like he was unreal but that just, reaction he got the night after wrestlemania yeah, 20 20- just Lock- let him just let him just let him go guys <laughs> like, and like- that with that said we're gonna let him go because we've we've spoken at least six times as long as he was in the ring um we're going to move on to the WWE Championship match. Samoa Joe versus the champion Kofi Kingston. It goes about 9 minutes and 45 seconds. 
Uh, Charlie gets a last minute promo with Joe, which was absolutely fucking phenomenal. And it made me believe that Joe might win this match. Uh, but it was not to be. The match is very good. Not much going against it. Um, there was one spot where Joe went to sweep the legs and uh, Kofi's knee had that weird bend in it. That was I heard that Kofi might have been like fighting an injury even before this. Um, but the, Kofi does get the win. Uh, at one point, the crowd chants, we want Lesnar. No, we don't. Uh, then there's no Lesnar. So whatever. Um, but yeah, Kofi retains. Um, I would have liked to see Samojo walk away with the title, but it was not meant to be. Uh, this match was very, very good. But uh, what do you believe, Mr. Nathan? Uh, I hated this match. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was crap. Um, I hated the finish. I thought the finish just made Joe look like a fucking idiot. Uh, where he's just like thrown off the ropes and then trouble in paradise. And then when he hit it, I was kind of like, no way. And then he got the three. I was like, really? That's what we're doing? Okay. Um, I thought it was crap, if I'm honest. And I know that sounds like hype, hyperbole or hyperbole or whatever. Um, I hated this because I think Joe's phenomenal. I really, I I don't want to sound like I'm heading into Jim Cornette territory, but watching the WWE champion come out with a plate of pancakes, I was like, fuck, are we still doing this? Like, we still, it's been about two years <laughs> of watching these, these assholes come out with pancakes. And I'm just like, ugh. And yeah, um, I halfway through this match, I was just like, "Oh shit, Joe's not winning," and I just decided I hated it from there. I like the spot where Kofi went for the Bret Hart Roddy Piper finish, and Joe just kind of threw him down for kind of an Uranagi, but it was kind of just a slam. Um, I thought that was cool. But other than that, I thought this was just a mission in making Samoa Joe look like an idiot, and I was done with it by that point. I don't, I don't want to sound like a traditionalist oh wrestling should be treated super seriously but i don't like seeing the wwe champion come over play a fucking pancakes especially since the joke the pancake joke has been old for about a year now get a new joke like invent something else fuck and i thought the finish was weak i don't think the trouble in paradise is a good finisher i think it looks like trash i don't think it ever has ever looked good I think the SOS is a way better finisher. I think it just yeah, looks better. Yeah, I don't. I and I I love Kofi Kingston. He's great, but he's fantastic. He doesn't feel like a champion, and feels like a mid card champion. I, I'm not afraid to say it. Fuck you guys. I'm not afraid to say it. he doesn't feel like a champion. Seeing Kofi Kingston come out as WWE champion with a plate of pancakes and using a what's basically a what a, what a rolling enziguri as a finisher. But fuck off. Like, yeah. You're in there with a legitimate badass, and he's getting beaten by a kick to the head. Like, I, I don't get it. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but I, I don't get this Kofi Kingston thing. I don't understand it. I know that he beat Dolph Ziggler a load of times. Everyone beats Dolph Ziggler. Everyone on the fucking planet beats. Ty Dillinger beat Dolph Ziggler. And he's busy giving fuckers a concussion in AEW. 
And he's also like, having really underwhelming matches with people who he's never worked with and don't work the same style as him. At whilst Fight we're Fun. bringing him up, because he's ne- I'm not allowed to bring him up on K-Shape Court legally, I warned you guys about Sean Spears. You did. And now look at him. I warned you. About, you did. Um, I warned you guys. And yeah, but I don't... I'm I'm really I'm really sorry, guy. I don't get the Kofi Kingston thing. I think he's I, shit. I am with you to a certain extent. I feel like this match it was just another example in the Samoa Joe can cut a goddamn good promo. He can have a really good goddamn match, but at once the fucking chips are down, he can't get the job done. It's the company doesn't see him as WWE yeah. champion and they need to stop putting him in WWE championship matches. They just need to put him in mixed. Like they need to put him in mid card title feuds, have him win the intercontinental or the U S title every now and again and just never give him the WWE championship stop getting my hopes up stop getting your hopes up stop getting everybody's fucking hopes up Samoa Joe is not going to be WWE champion anytime soon or ever and that's it I mean that's it like yeah just he's just built like the Bray Wyatt he's like the new Bray Wyatt from like 2013 2014 where it was always you know I'm I'm the death bringer or I'm the fucking you know I've got the whole world in my hands and blah 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 but it's like but you don't because you fucking lose he's like you know what the best the best analogy I can come up with is is Samoa Joe is like a Philadelphia sports team you have people who are so fucking behind him but he loses all the goddamn always and it's just really it's fucking sad. He deserves more than this. I saw him live at um, the Summer Sam show right before um, SummerSlam last year. Um, and he's a funny dude. He's charismatic. He's great in the ring. His fucking promos are on fire. But the company just doesn't see him as WWE champion. And he is A-OK with making that money. So, yeah, it, it, like, it is. Like... Just trying to, all the power to him. He's making a lot of his careers. It is winding down, and arguably, I can't remember if it was you, Jimmy, but I explained to someone a while ago. But there was that bump on the stairs that he took in TNA, and ever since then he hasn't moved properly. And um, uh, it was a horrible bump, guys. Go watch it. It was a, some. It was one of the street fights he did with Sting. Um, and it was disgusting to watch, but um, he's still a phenomenal performer. I, I, I don't get this Kofi thing. I really don't, and I don't understand why they're doing it. Um, he doesn't feel like a champion, and he doesn't look like a champion. And I'm gonna say it again, like. I'm sure people love it and it's great. I don't want to see the WWE champion coming to the ring with a load of pancakes. I don't. And I don't know why. Maybe I'm being an asshole, but like, I just don't no, want to no, see it. There's, you're not, you're not being an asshole. Uh, it's just a fact. It's just a fucking fact. Like, like I remember my, like, and let's go back to my first wrestling fandom, but I would watch, uh, the Rock comes to the ring. I would watch Taker when he was undisputed champion, or even to the extent where uh, I know he's not the most popular champion in history, but one of the first when we 
first. My family first got Sky TV, which is what used to show, or what's, well, uh, I don't know if they still got it. It's either BT Sport or Sky now, which shows SmackDown and Raw. But my first WWE champion that I would ever watch live was John Bradshaw Layfield. And he would turn up in a limo, in a suit, in a big cowboy hat, and he'd look like a champion. And now the champion's turning up throwing pancakes at kids and twerking. And I'm just sat there. And I know that's kind of a traditionalist attitude, but I don't get it. I really, I don't get this fascination with him. It doesn't feel big. It didn't feel big. Samoa Joe's hair looked weird. He does have to get a haircut for sure. Yeah. Shave your head, Joe. You look badass. And um, yeah, that's my moan. My moan's done. It didn't feel, it felt like a, if you reversed the IC title match and the WWE Championship match on this show, this show would have been better. Yeah, yeah. And one I mean, of them, one of them opened the pre-show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It, it it it. Unfortunately, it is what it fucking is at this point. And oh my god, that's fucking stupid. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm actually watching the Samoa Joe drop-kicking Sting in the crowd at oh, TNA Bound for Glory yeah, 2008. The, the stairs, the stairs bump. It's actually worse. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. Have you he, watched it? You're watching the stairs one? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he jumps off of a balcony. Oh my god, it's, it's not a senton. It's not a senton. He drop-kicks Sting yeah. from the balcony off it's, down to the stairs in the crowd. He lands on the stairs. It's fucking it's, stupid. It's, 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 I, I can't remember what podcast I was on. I do so many. But like um, I think I've said before, it, it looks gross. Because he just lands on the corner of those concrete stairs. And you're just looking at it going, oh my God, how are you still wrestling 11 years later? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking but, of how things are happening 11 years later, while we're still in the middle of the Extreme Rules yes. Mixed Tag Team match, yes. winner take all, Universal yes. and Raw Women's Championship match is on the line. Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans taking on Seth yes. Rollins and Becky Lynch, who are the champions. Um, Before you get to talk about it, I'm just going to bring up that Lacey has Seth across the back of her pants. <laughs> And the camera camera guy got a bit too excited. I could almost tell what Lacey Evans had for lunch. Oh my god, did they shove that up her ass? Camera went right up her fucking, right up the chocolate starfish, dude. Just fucking. Yeah, just. I feel kind of sorry. Like she obviously, obviously she's done it as a heel tactic, and it works. Because good god, does that lady get reactions? But um. Yeah, for the, she had Seth written across her bum on her attire. And I, the camera guy practically shoved his lens up her bum hole. If, if, <laughs> if I may, I'm going to quote one of the best actors of all time, Al Pacino, and I'm just going to say, yeah. she's got her ass! <laughs> um, uh, what a main event. I mean, okay, so this match goes 19 minutes and 55 seconds. <sighs> out of those um holy so, fuck what do you say let me just ask you this question so how long did it go 19 minutes and 55 seconds 
19 minutes, 55 seconds. So it goes <laughs> 20 minutes. How many, how many, let's round up to 20. Out of 20, how many minutes do you think this went too long? 19 minutes and 55 seconds. Yeah, this, this was shit. <laughs> um, I'm going to quote uh, American punk, pop punk, or pop punk, punky, whatever. American band, Mindless Self-Indulgence. When I say a two-minute song is one minute and 55 seconds too goddamn long, this match was 19 minutes and 50 seconds this too goddamn long. I just did not give half a flying fuck about I, any shit that was going on here. By the end of the match, when a fucking... I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a little bit of a, a rant here. Yeah, I have I'm sorry. My at the, this is horrible. At the end of a fucking three-hour pay-per-view, a fucking marky, marky, mark, mark, mark that I am who works in wrestling and talks about wrestling all day and talks about wrestling on podcasts and finds friends on the internet who are willing to do podcasts with him uh, like about wrestling, when I'm the one who's going like, yeah, you know what? I really hope Rock comes out here and fucking takes this belt from him. That's a fucking problem. But at the at least at the end of the day, Paul Heyman is at the end of the fucking uh, is at is at the fucking end of the pen that's writing the fucking storyline here. So maybe this maybe he'll turn Seth into a better champion down the line. But I didn't give a fuck about anything that was going on in this match. Baron Corbin can go to the sun. Lacey Evans needs some time. Let's be fair here. Like I get that you have an infatuation with her, and it's it's fine. She's a she's an attractive woman. She's got a great ass, but <laughs> just she needs some time, and she needs to build from the bottom, get to the top, and then get the title. I'm more I am more than like willing to see Lacey Evans as Raw Women's Champion somewhere down the line. But this match was like this match was bad. It just I didn't give a fuck. I did. I just didn't give a fuck. And I'm gonna read through a couple things real quick here. Becky took a chair to the face when Lacey Evans dropped it by mistake. Cool. Beth and Becky took forever setting up tables and get heat for it, which they fucking should have because they took fucking forever. Which means that could you imagine seeing them try to fucking go grocery shopping like as a couple in real life because they never fucking stop mentioning that they're a couple in real life as if wrestling isn't real life with inside the kayfabe. Ugh, I hate it. The deep six always look good. Deep six always looks fucking good. No matter when he does it, it always looks good. Corbin gives the end of days to Becky uh, and then Seth went super saiyan and fucking curb stomp Corbin three times for the win. Cool. Great. Awesome. I think the best thing that happened in this match was that Corbin gave Becky the end of days because it's not something that we see considering the other three fourths of this match. It's something we've seen time and 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 time again over the last couple of months. And I'm fucking over it and I don't give a shit. Thank God Lesnar's the champion. Your rant. Yeah. I'm going to give a fantasy booking idea to begin with and then i am going to go on a bit of a run and i don't have as much context as jimmy does to all of this bullshit um if this match was 10 minutes and genuinely this match ended with baron corbin ends of daysing um or how do you say that and hitting the end of days on becky lynch and pinning becky lynch to win 
and then Brock cashed in on Baron Corbin. I think this would have been really cool. I think it would have been really surprising because no one in a billion fucking years thought Lacey and Baron Corbin were going to win this match. No one in their right mind would have ever thought they were going to win this match. I don't even need to watch the TV. I could. I literally looked at the card, made up some predictions, changed some of them, so that our predictions contest was interesting. And then, um, and I didn't even think there was a fucking hope in hell of these two people winning. I thought this was trash. I hate beyond belief the way Seth and Becky are portrayed. Seth looks like a bitch. Seth is just like, you know, the thing with like, who wears the trousers in the relationship? Seth is wearing trousers and he fucking shouldn't be because Jesus Christ, does he just look like an arsehole? Becky has lost everything that made her cool. She's not cool. Seth has never been cool. I think he's just a really uncool guy. Um, he's a dork. He's a dork. Yeah, he's a dork. He laughs weird. He goes, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, he laughs like the Wicked Witch of the West, and he doesn't look cool. He's, he's the ne- Wicked Witch of the Midwest because he's from Illinois. Yeah, and he's or Iowa. Cool. He's from Iowa, so he's the Wicked Witch of the Midwest. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't help. I couldn't help. Yeah, and he and he owns a coffee shop, and that's not cool. And Becky, Becky's lost everything that made her cool. She's not over anymore. Um, they would have been better off dropping the titles. I thought it was shit. And I don't think it was shit because Baron and Bar- Baron's a good performer, no matter what anyone says. I'm sorry. he Just face reality, guys. He's a good performer. Lacey, can I, can I hit you with... Go, go, go. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to cut you off, but... I actually just remembered something I wanted to bring up from the last match. Let me hit you with something that might have been even cooler as far as fantasy booking. Samoa Joe wins the championship, right? Brock comes out. Brock starts beating down on Kofi, beating down on Samoa Joe or whatever. Brock gets distracted while handing in the briefcase, and Samoa Joe chokes his ass the fuck out just after the bell rings, and Samoa Joe is solidified as a fucking G. We can get away from Seth and all the members of the fucking Shield having a problem with fucking Brock, and then you can even do Brock versus Joe again, and it's not total bullshit like it was at fucking Great Great Balls of Fire. I almost said Great American Bash. But, like, that would have been so fucking cool to see Samoa Joe actually fucking solidified having to deal with, you know, this legacy run that Kofi's on. Yeah. But back, but back to this, to this match fucking, I think you do need to keep the title on Becky because Lacey just, I mean, flat out isn't ready. I mean, she's just not ready. It's just, it is what it is. It's not ready. She's not ready. Yeah. I'm going to jump in and say, just do it because I think Becky's, I, I think this relationship the fact that they want to exploit it or I don't they're know. They're forcing like, it. They're maybe, forcing maybe, maybe it's worked and it's not even fucking real. Who knows at this point? Because it's just everywhere. Like she's, she's lost everything that made it cool. She was the man. She was this independent, brilliant character who would, he was meant to be female stone cold esque stone cold. Like other than when he turned heel in 2001 and he had his, um, Oh, what was his wife called at the time? Um, Deborah. Yeah. Was that her? Was that the blonde woman that he always had sat with her when he was a heel? 
uh, like during the Kumbaya. Yeah, yeah, when he yeah, was, Deborah. Yeah, yeah, and um, he would have her sat with her when he turned into the psychopath, but he didn't have her for the four years beforehand. He was just his own person, and she's meant to be this badass, but she's not anymore. She was made to look like a fucking idiot because she took the end of days, was laid out, and then the man had to come in. The oh, sorry, not the man. Sorry, guys, the man's man. Had to come in and beat the shit out of Corbin, hit three curb stomps. And three curb stomps. Brock Lesnar took three curb stomps at WrestleMania. And now we're giving three curb stomps to Baron fucking Corbin. That's that's exactly <laughs> that is exactly the right Jesus fucking sentiment. And Becky Lynch what Becky doing? Lynch was selling the end of days on the outside of the ring, crying. Yeah, and I know crying. Like, you know what? The end of days legitimately the end of days is a fucking cool move no it's not he's giving himself oh, a rock my. bottom he's no, giving himself a rock bottom off with that we have we have <laughs> people like ricochet doing 630s and fucking landing on his own neck or, or jeff hardy spent years doing the swanton bomb landing on his own fucking neck and we're meant to believe that triple if we it's like i'm going to go on a rant here about wrestling fans but if we're believing that Triple H is giving himself a knee drop when he's hitting a pedigree. We can't live in that world where... Yeah, and his ACLs are like fucking paper mache. No, he's still having 20-minute matches with Randy Orton. Uh, Not not (laughs) any one of us want to see it. No, I didn't say they were good. (laughs) 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 No, I I, I know it's a different bit, but the end of days legitimately looks cool. I I think the Deep um, Six is better. I think it's. I think it. It comes out of a better place. I think that it's a like. I love those out of nowhere finishers, and I think it's the best I out think, of nowhere um, finisher since the RKO. I think. Yeah, I think Ross Tweddle from Cultaholic has said it before. We, it's one of them, right? It might have been Adam, but he um, has said that legitimate the deep six would be a really cool finisher for someone else. And Bar- Baron Corbin, like that is true about him. He has a really cool move set. Like he has a re- like that that run under the ropes where he runs around the post and then generally hits a clothesline or gets cuts off. That's cool. Yeah, it was like the first couple of times that he did it, like two or three years ago when he still had the fucking like the balding on top and the hair, like yeah, the fucking. Yeah. I think and, like- and so, but I think because it's too choreographed now, just like the way that the lunatic lariat was when Ambrose but like the first few times that he did it and then every once in a while when he would pull it off like subsequently like when Dean Ambrose was in the elimination chamber with uh uh Cena and and AJ and Cena and AJ are just genuinely good fucking performers and they were able to set up something that was interesting to look at like, yeah. it looks really cool, and it should be used sparingly, but the way that the WWE goes is like, oh, shit, that works. Fucking do it all the time. Go ahead. This main event wasn't good. Um, I don't understand the Sefi. Um, I literally was about to call it a Sefi, Sefi Ronch, or whatever I call them in the chat. Sefi Ronch. Uh, I don't understand it. I think it makes them both look like arseholes. Um, this match, was, it was trash. And that's not a reflection on the performers. I think all four are good. I will concede that Lacey Evans has been completely chucked in the deep end. Um, she's a character. 
she's a phenomenal character. I think she has a place on TV, um, but she's not a main event wrestler yet. To be honest, and let's go more controversial. This review is really long, but let's let's go for it. I don't think Becky Lynch. I don't think she's that good. She has not been very good since WrestleMania, she's, at the very least. She's a great brawler, um, but I I don't think she can carry anyone. To, uh, you know what? Let, uh, f- fuck, let's go. I don't understand. Oh, it's a no DQ, extreme rules, tag team match. But the men can only fight the men and the women can only fight the women. Fuck off. Don't tell and you know me, what? I would have loved to watch no DQ and then add rules to this. Don't go, oh, there's no rules to this match, but you can only do this. Like It's like it's no DQ with an asterisk next to it. What was the ref going to do? Like, what did the ref do when Baron Corbin ends of dazed um, uh, Becky Lynch? He didn't fucking disqualify him. So why were they titting about? What were they going to do when Lacey Evans was kendo sticking the shit at Seth Rollins? The one bit that was real funny was when Lacey went to hit Seth with the kendo stick. He caught it. So she just started hitting on him <laughs> to try and distract him. And I was like, yeah, that's real good character work, to be fair. That's really funny. Um, you know, this is good. Um, Seth Rollins went ape shit after Baron Corbin ends of days. Um, Becky Lynch. Um, he then went ape, hit him with a load of kendo sticks, hit three curb stomps, which are the same amount of curb stomps it takes to beat Brock Lesnar and pinned him. And then Brock Lesnar came out and beats, cashed in his money. Is Brock in the bank or whatever it's called. Uh, pinned Seth, hit a couple of a few Germans, then cashed in. And then F5 Seth Rollins for the win in 15 seconds. For a surprising ending, the crowd got a big pop out of here in the or however Brock's music goes. It's and it's it's more like that. Do you think that music's iconic? Because he said the same music since two thousand two. I think I just miss Taz saying "Here comes the pain" when he comes out. Here comes the pain. And then Michael Cole is being like, oh. And, uh, I mean, what's your rating for this? I'm giving it a 3 out of 5, a 5 out of 10, thumbs in the middle. I have a, a lot, lot of this was really great. Yeah. It, it's like middling to up, but there was enough bad on this to not be able to give it a thumbs up. Okay, I give it, you went out day drinking, and it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you went to McDonald's but they didn't have Big Macs for some reason. So you had to get a chicken sandwich instead of a Big Mac. Oof. Uh, but you still got your fries. Your fries was the main part, was the kind of thread of the show. Um, and you got a large Pepsi or Coke, whichever one McDonald's have. But you, know, you still have to get the chicken sandwich, which isn't the best thing at McDonald's. And the chicken sandwich was the main event. And that's why I give this show. I give it A, you wanted a Big Mac, but you had to get chicken sandwich. I think McDonald's is sort of like oddly more popular in the UK for some reason, because the chicken sandwiches here are gross. Well, no, they're not good. 
<laughs> that's why I'm, the, the fries are good and the drink choice is good. But that's why I'm giving it the chicken sandwich because they're shit. That's that, that's your rating. <laughs> One chicken sandwich. Yeah, my rating is good <laughs> chips, good drink, bad sandwich. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, for fuck's sake. What, what do you give this show? Well, as I said a little earlier, I give it a 3 out of 5, a 5 out of 10, or just the definition of a thumbs in the middle. As always, you can find us at Rogue underscore Opinion on Twitter. Check back through the feed. We're on Anchor now. That's not a thing I've said yet. Um, check back through the feed. Uh, check out Kayfabe Court. Check out the Doctor Who podcaster. Sean, new member to the team. Go on. We're also on Medium. That's where some written articles are going to be going up. Anthony has been working hard. He's put up an F1, one about the fabulous and legendary driver, Nicky Lauder, who's genuinely, uh, he was a hell of a, hell of a guy. Uh, it was a great film about him as well called Rush. So go check that out. And a fab, fabulous written piece by Anthony. In Richfield Park, New Jersey, live, bell time, 3 o'clock, is Violence and Suffering prevents, uh, presents No Bitch Assness. Now, it might sound funny to you, but to us, it's our motto. It's our credo. When you walk into our building, whether you're a performer, whether you're a fan, whether you're just serving hot dogs or beer, no bitch assness allowed in our building. And we are going to present you with one of the best cards. After gracing... The WWE, the WWE Network with his presence, Joe Gacy, will be taking on Dan Moff one-on-one -on -one live in Richfield Park, New Jersey. Also, Jordan Oliver, Homicide, Pinky Sanchez, so many names ready to like just blow the roof off of this place in just 12 days live in Richfield Park, New Jersey. Um, that's violence and suffering. If uh, you want to follow them, it's VXS Wrestling at VXS Wrestling. Violence and suffering on uh, Facebook. I'm at Mr. Riot. That's M R R I zero T because Counter Strike was a thing. And if you're sick of me saying that, then give me you know something else to say. Um, Nathan, thank you for staying up late and doing this review with me. It uh, it sort of went all over the place, but I feel like that's what people come here for. Yeah, um, I don't think people expected a proper review. Yes, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for coming, ladies and gentlemen. Um, as I'm going to give us an official outing, as we've done this like six times now. Pretty much. For, for Nathan Greenaway, I'm Jimmy Baxter. Thank you so much for sticking through this. And if you made it to the end, use the hashtag made it to the end. And yes. We'll, and... Maybe maybe you'll get a little surprise from me and Nathan if you do so. So have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.